Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle from Microwave Journal. This is our fifth podcast in our series with Molex on 5G technologies. And today we're exploring smart farming and agriculture applications with 5G. To discuss the subject with us, we have Roger Kaufman, Senior Director of Product Management and Marketing at Molex, Darren Schauer, Product Manager at Molex, and also David Pike, Content Director at Connector Geek Limited. Welcome everybody. Hello, Pat. Thank you. Hello. We see 5G affecting so many business sectors as it's rolling out, but if we dig into smart farming, what are the main factors driving this sector today? Smart farming or farming in general has always been a, a sector that's that's been very good at innovating and uh, adopting new technology. And, and the fact is that the world's population, the global population is set to grow to, to nearly 10 billion by the middle of this century. That means the farming industry is going to be under pressure to provide an awful lot more food for, for the new population. And yet, at the same time, they're going to be competing for the use of agricultural land with urban areas growing. The arable land that they can use is starting to, to come under pressure. And then you've got actually pressures from other industries, things like renewable energy. Uh, people are using farmland now to, to plant solar panels, the new type of crop. So that all this land that the farmers actually had access to, they're under increasing pressure to, to give that over to other uses. And then at the same time, we've got a shortage of agricultural workers. The, the jobs are in the, in, in the cities, the urban areas. And so there are fewer people who want to work in the, the agricultural sector. And then there's, there's global challenges, but there's also regional challenges. On my side of the pond, we've got a, a problem at the moment with, with Brexit. We have a large number of people who were working in the agricultural industry in the UK, um, and they have now moved to other areas. So we've got a shortage of agricultural workers. And then finally, the, the big bad ugly that, that's kind of looming over this is climate change. Climate change is coming. It's changing how people are farming. It's changing the growing conditions. And so people are having to adopt new technologies to do all this. And that's where smart farming comes in. It's, it's going to be the, the trend that allows farmers to do more with technology, but use fewer resources, whether it's water, whether it's pesticides, whether it's actually people. And so this trend of smart farming is, is all about producing more with less. And that's one of the things that makes it really interesting. Well, one thing I'll add, uh, Patrick, is it also includes uh, things like precision livestock farming. They're putting RFID chips and, and other sensors into cattle and other farm animals to monitor the health status, monitor social behavior, and figure out when it's time to milk the cows. Yeah, and I also feel like we have less resources available with climate change. And so we need to be more precise in the amount of water and fertilizer we use. We have to be very efficient. So there's a lot of technology driving that efficiency. So what are the design challenges for electronics and wireless connectivity in this type of environment? I think the first thing to say is that, that farming, farming is a tough business. The, the environmental challenges are, are huge. The, a lot of the, the technology that we're going to be using in smart farms is, is related to technology that's used in the smart factory. So we're talking about sensors, we're talking about edge computing, we're talking about um, all sorts of RF enabled equipment. But the thing that's challenging about the, the agricultural environment is that it's got to work out in the wind and weather. 
So uh, whether it's mounted onto farm machinery or whether it's sensors that are planted in fields and left, that challenge of creating devices that are going to withstand that environment is, is quite remarkable. That's one thing that Molex excels at, uh, whether it be the sensors or the electronics behind it. Molex takes pride in working directly with our customers, engineer to engineer, and, and figuring out exactly what their needs are, what caustic chemicals they might be using, the environments that these products will be used in, and ruggedizing these products that are suitable for their needs. Yeah, much of the technology that we're deploying, Patrick, in these areas uh, is, is an extension of some of the products that we've made for automotive applications, except some of the environments are significantly more harsh. Imagine at the end of the day, if a farmer gets out a 4,000 PSI power washer to clean his tractor and the cables, the harnesses, the cameras, the sensors are all exposed. We have to take this into account when we develop our products. Yeah, it is a tough environment. So how are sensors employed in these applications to improve yields? Sensors are at the, the heart of the, the smart farm. They provide the feedback. So unlike old systems where a farmer would simply deploy pesticides or irrigate a certain section of land, the sensors are going to be collecting information about the farm itself. So whether it's the soil conditions or whether it's the atmosphere, um, if we're talking about vision systems, we might be able to, to use infrared imagery to see where crops are growing well, as opposed to where they need some help. So all of these sensors are collecting information and then that information then needs to come back to, to the farm, to the, the central core, as it were, where the decisions are made. And that's, that's one of the challenges. That's one of the things that Molex is going to be heavily involved in is, is how that data gets moved. Yeah, I talked to the company that was implanting sensors to measure the moisture and composition so they could efficiently water and also fertilize. And they had to get that information out of the ground back to a central area where it could be processed. So definitely a big challenge. So does 5G technology enable more capabilities and how does it impact those capabilities? Sure. So from my perspective, uh, 5G, as it's deployed into rural areas, especially sub six gigahertz and these types of capabilities, it provides greater bandwidth to provide a pathway for all of these multitude of sensors and additional data that the farmer is trying to harvest and collect to make smarter decisions, be more efficient in his farming and his yield outputs. I think it's uh, warranted to mention just the sheer amount of data that is out there now and you that can be collected 5g is needed i think it's also important to remember that that 5g is enabling that connectivity into rural areas that simply weren't available before roger and darren can both kind of attest to the to the power that 5g is bringing they live in rural areas and so the the difference that it's bringing to to people in that environment is is quite extreme yeah, you've seen a push in 5G to use all types of wireless, wired, and even satellite connections to expand into the rural areas. So uh, it's a big push and a lot of government backing there too. So why are rugged electronics and enclosures important to the success of smart farming? The key thing is the, the environment. The tough farming environment means that any equipment that is being deployed has got to withstand all of these conditions. 
and connectors especially are one of the the few components that actually are exposed to the 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 tough conditions electronics are housed within enclosures that they're protected well um but it's the the interface systems that have to cope with this so whether it's on farm material uh, machinery with vehicles tractors combines or whether it's uh, we've talked about sensors being deployed into fields everything that's being deployed has to be protected and and i think that's where that's where roger and darren can can bring some more information in terms of of how they can protect the electronics that are going into these systems whether it be a standard commercial off-the-shelf product or a custom connector that we create for a specific application we have over molded these connectors uh, we've ruggedized the cable themselves it really depends on what the customer needs. So we, we look at the materials used, form fit function of these over molds, and really just make it the, the best solution for our customer's application. Yeah, some of the harnesses that we're providing to connect the vision systems and the RF electronics, uh, we're actually bundling cables together and then putting protective armor or jacketing over top because there's a lot of abrasion, a lot of vibration, as well as the, the traditional environmental temperature fluctuations, the, the dramatic sunlight, everything else. So taking that extra precaution and adding extra layers of protection to assure that the electronics don't go bad out in the field is critical. Yeah, and Molex, you have produced a lot of these for aerospace, defense, and automotive applications. So you have uh, time-tested uh, techniques and materials, correct? That's correct. Yes. In fact, some of the connectors that we're using for some of the electronics, again, are sealed connectors that have been demonstrated and proven in our automotive applications for many, many years. We're seeing a trend in uh, AG to use these same type of automotive connectors, not traditionally used in AG, but there's, there's a big trend moving in that direction. So what traditional equipment upgrades do you see coming in the near future to take smart farming to the next level? What, one of the most interesting things is going to be how equipment is integrated with existing platforms. Uh, farmers can't necessarily go out and, and buy the latest equipment, the latest tractor, simply because it's got the extra uh, features on it. So, so we are going to be in a situation for some time to come where modern 5G enabled rapidly communicating equipment is being integrated into the traditional farming equipment you'd find on a farm 20 years ago and that's actually going to provide i think one of the the, the biggest challenges is how to integrate that new and old i think that then plays back to what darren was talking about in terms of the fact that a lot of the connectors are have a an automotive heritage and a lot of the automotive connectors that are used on tractors and farm equipment have the same heritage. So, so there's going to be a, an element of, of commonality, but certainly there are going to be challenges in building some of these new systems into um, tractors and other equipment like that. Once established, though, this technology and, and the use of sensors, et cetera, should reduce costs for the farmer. It would reduce the amount of time and labor that's put into the crops and the animals. So what new farming applications have you come across that are very interesting? I'd like to hear some of those. Some of the more recent applications that we've seen, Patrick, are uh, 
putting vision systems into the harvesters and the grain hoppers and things like this so that the farmer can actually witness when the grain hopper is getting full so he knows when to offload the harvested grain. Another application is vision systems and sensors in spraying equipment so that you're not spraying the entire field with a herbicide or a weed killer, you're spraying each individual weed. So these are more recent developments that we've seen. We've been involved for many years in, in applications where GPS is being deployed in, in the tractors, including autopilots and things like this. But we're getting into more smart modules and smart capabilities that allow the farmer to be much more efficient. I'm really interested in, in some of the, the, the new and uh, let's call them disruptive technologies that are being used in, in agriculture, stuff that, that you wouldn't necessarily have thought would be agricultural or, or ripe for the agricultural market. So things like drones and UAVs, the use of, of drones for farmers to be able to monitor their, their land from above autonomously, detect the growing of crops and maybe even use these drones for, for aerial application, for, for crop dusting. Um, this is this is coming out of the military market. This is technology that hasn't usually been associated with, with agriculture. But that market, the, some research that Molex has just done, says that that drone market for smart agriculture is going to grow by a factor of five over the for the next five years. It's going to be huge. Um, and so that use of non-traditional technology within what is a, essentially a fairly traditional industry, I think is fascinating. And Roger, you had mentioned RFID for livestock. Uh, how does that work? So again, uh, embedding the, the RFID chips in the livestock so that you can monitor the health, the socialization, and depending on the type of chip that they're putting in the, in the livestock. I've actually read articles where some of the customers are actually able to determine the health of the animal and even things like their maturity cycles or when, when the cow is full and, and prepared to be milked. I think that's, that's one of the going to be the driving factors over the next few years is where people can come up with these new and innovative ideas. Um, the idea of, of tagging every cow, every sheep is, is you know, 10 years ago, that would have been like science fiction. And all of a sudden we're in a position where the technology is available for farmers to be able to do that. And, and that's going to be one of the things that, that Molex is going to be able to bring its expertise to the, to the game. Yeah, like I said, I did talk to a company too that had the uh, soil sensors and they would monitor precise moisture levels and composition of the soil. Then they would use that information to effectively uh, water just the areas that needed to be watered and only water just the right amount, they didn't overwater. Mm. And then they knew when to fertilize and when not to, and they could see spatially which areas differed from other areas. And again, those sensors had really tough time in you know, finding connectors that you could put under the ground and keep under the ground for years and not have to pull them up all the time and replace them. And then yeah. being able to get that information out of the ground into a, a central database to, to integrate that information. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's all about the, the longevity of these systems, the, the ability to, to deploy the sensor and then virtually forget it. So it's got to be designed in a way that it, it can cope with that environment. Because at the same time, the, the sensors themselves 
are becoming increasingly cheap they're being mass produced their their capabilities versus their cost is going through the roof so farmers can now afford to buy multiple sensors and deploy them all around their land so we're, we're talking about it's not just watering a field that needs it it's watering a corner of a field as opposed to the whole thing so the this ability to to use sensors to be very targeted in the resources that the farmers need to use that comes back to to what we said at the beginning where we, we are trying to do more with less or we're, we're trying to provide technology that allows the farmer to do more with less use fewer resources use them more accurately use them more effectively um, and and these systems are going to be crucial to, to getting that kind of precision into the farming world. Yeah, what I find fascinating is some of these technologies are starting to be available to the consumers as well. I've got a sprinkler system, a sprinkler controller on my house that is tied to the Wi-Fi network, monitors the weather, and keeps track of the, the moisture content of my soil. And so where I used to run my sprinkler every other day, for like two and a half hours, my sprinkler runs when it's needed. And so I'm using about one-tenth the amount of water that I used to use here just for my residential property. Wow, I need an upgrade. I got the old kind. <laughs> I can control it from my smartphone. <laughs> I actually watered this morning and then it rained this afternoon. So it was a big mistake. <laughs> this will skip. It monitors the weather and it will skip. I think my next schedule is about seven days from now. Yeah, I'm definitely using too much water then. Got to get more efficient. Yeah. And this this is a global problem. The, the access to water is one of the, the perennial problems through through however, you know, however long in history. We're talking about this being a, a global trend with people in all parts of the world who are going to be looking to use this technology for different reasons. And access to water is going to be one of those crucial questions. And the ability to to use what little resource people sometimes have so accurately makes makes the whole smart farming movement viable. It, it is going to genuinely create more food for for this growing population. Yeah, David, you had mentioned earlier that you know globally there needs to be a balance. You know, the food and maybe grown in one area and then ported to another area. So we have to be very efficient and how we grow it and be able to deliver it to different areas of the world. Yes. Climate change is going to have an effect on that. Where crops can be grown will change, um, whether it's you know, here in, in Europe or whether it's in, in the North America or whether it's in the Far East. Climates are shifting. So crops that would previously be not viable for, say, the, the UK climate where I am, all of a sudden we're, we're starting to look at the idea of of growing some warmer climate crops and the same will be true around the world. So it's not just a new technology that will be convenient. It, it's a, a convergence of new technology and the global need to solve a problem that we're facing right now. Yeah. And these sensors will help us determine that quickly, you know, where the crops grow best and determine that from the data. Absolutely. I'll give you one more real world application of, of sensors. In Canada, on the lakes uh, in Algonquin Park, where my cottage is located, they've taken the three major lakes along Highway 60 and they've embedded over 3,000 sensors in the lakes. And then they've tagged fish with transponders. They're concerned that with global warming, it's changing the habits of the bait fish and therefore changing the habits of the lake trout 
and the, and the smallmouth bass and everything else. And this is a three-year study uh, funded by the the Fisheries Ministry of Canada and two of the universities. It's an RF world. I, I also think I, lo- I love that story because it it means that we we have to think outside of normal should we say normal agriculture agriculture to many of us means vast prairies of of corn and and other crops or it means uh prairies with with herd animals but agriculture means different things in different parts of the world um it could mean intensive fish farming uh it could be even the the growth of things like urban farming the idea of being able to use old subway tunnels and use technology to grow plants in places that don't see light but again it's all technology driven it's all going to have to rely on on the feedback loop that the sensors can give us uh, to be able to grow crops in places they they wouldn't normally have grown or grow alternative crops or look at alternative food sources whether it's fish or or, or even some of the experience that they're having with things like insects and and using protein and creating protein from that Agriculture is a very, very big subject, and it is changing significantly. This technology is going to be vital to it. Well, you know, I've noticed in the past, and, and relating back to 5G, that I didn't have good coverage where I'm at uh, with multiple different carriers that we had tried. And here in, in just the past couple of years, I can go just about anywhere uh, in, in the near vicinity and have full coverage. So that's, that's a personal story of, of just getting cell coverage. And I'm not that rural. I'm not out in the middle of nowhere, but uh, I, I can tell the difference. Although you can walk out your backyard and into a cornfield. Yes, but it's a small cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, also, I also am interested in the fact that 5G is going to allow people to do things that otherwise they, they couldn't have done previously. I, I've been reading stories connected with Smart Factory, whereby a factory can create its own 5G cell. So it's a private 5G network, not linked to the the standard cell phone network. But that wireless technology applied over a a given area is allowing the smart factory a huge amount of flexibility in terms of how they can reorganize their factory on on a quick basis to to respond to needs. There's nothing to say that, that that same technology isn't going to be used within say the farming environment where a farmer can create their own 5g cell that's uh completely private it's not connected to the network but it will allow far-flung pieces of equipment to uh to communicate with the 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 central farm so even in areas that that can't benefit from the the upgrade in in 5g service like, like like darren's just said we're in a position where the technology is now such that maybe farmers can actually make their own. Well, thank you, uh, Roger, Darren, and David for joining me to talk about smart farming and agriculture applications with 5G. We appreciate you giving their expertise and outlook on this technology. You can view our other four episodes about 5G technology sponsored by Molex at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thank you for listening to us today.